Once again, we give praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. We honor him today. To all of you, my father's children, we bless God for you this morning. Continue to remember you in our prayers, knowing that the prayers of the righteous avails much. And I dare not lay down at night without praying for you as the church. I pray that you continue to pray for me as well. Our lesson text this morning is going to come from the book of 2 Samuel. We're still dealing with the issue of distractions. As we begin to survey God's scripture, begin to look at the word of God. All throughout human history, God has used men and women to display his will in the earth, to bring about his will in the earth. And it has been recorded throughout the Bible. Some have had a minimal role and we see very little written about them. But there are those giants in the faith, those ones that God has laid their lives across the Bible like a canvas, painted. And David is perhaps one of the most significant ones because David's life reads like a book. David's life is laid out, the good and the bad the pretty and the ugly. David's life is an open book for all of us to read and to learn from. In this 11th chapter of 2 Samuel is perhaps one of David's darkest moments. God does not leave nothing unbare. He uncovers everything. And he shows us through his word some of David's biggest failures. And in this 11th chapter, we see that. Now, I'm glad in the fact that God stopped putting people's business in the book. Because I don't want people's, my business being put in a book for everybody to read and to look at and to make their judgments. Because some of you will leave out here today making a judgment concerning David. But understand that the Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. David was the greatest king that Israel had ever seen until the Lord Jesus Christ. David had done a lot of great things and won victories for the Lord. But even in that, as great a man as David was and is, he still had his weaknesses. And just like David had his weaknesses, each and every one of us have our weaknesses. The problem is it has not really been revealed. And the good thing about it is that as long as you know and God knows, that's enough. And so we look at this, this, this particular chapter. Uh, this is perhaps one of the most polarizing chapters in all of 2 Samuel. Uh, it is one that is, that, is, that is met with some ups and some downs. 
but mostly nouns. Let's begin reading at verse number one. Second Samuel, the 11th chapter, verse number one. And it reads, and it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and destroyed Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. And it came to pass at the evening time, tired, uh, that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Verse 5, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. From this passage here, this will be a two-part sermon here. I want to title this, The Pool of Distractions. The Pool of Distractions. Last week we seen how Peter, by faith, walked upon the water as he was focused in on Jesus. He had Jesus in direct sight. And as long as he was focused on Jesus and not distracted, he did the impossible. And understand that there's some time that God will allow us to do some impossible things when we focus on him. But the minute we get distracted, the minute we begin to look at the circumstances and the situations that are around us, we lose that focus that we had on Jesus Christ. And we begin to sink. And I don't know about you, but I've I've been in many of sinking situations to where I've had to cry out to God. Just like Peter did and said, Lord, save me. But, but understand that this situation that Peter went in last week is different than this week. Because there is absolutely nothing that Peter could have done about the storm. The storm was there. There was no changing the storm. Peter did not have a, a choice in the matter. But today we see in the text where David, King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, who has penned more psalms than any other individual in the Bible, a man who had a connection with God, that had been anointed by God, that had been given the kingdom by God, makes a decision based upon a distraction. Understand that distractions are all around us. I, 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 I told you last week, let me, let, let me define. A distraction is anything that prevents you 
from giving your full attention to something or someone. From a biblical sense, a distraction is anything that will divert you from what God has willed and predestined for your life. When you stop listening and seeking God for whatever the reason, it is a distraction. The problem with it is, is that, that now, uh, as we have been, become distracted as individuals, the church has become distracted. The church is no longer uh, on that line of making disciples and winning people for the cause of Christ. The church now has come, come to a place to where we, we, want, we want to be politically correct. And we want to exercise social justice. Yes, there are some social issues that we need to address. But it's not necessarily for the church to address it. Our job is to make disciples. And if we're distracted, we will not fulfill what God has told us to fulfill. The church is distracted because the people have become distracted. And understand that David, this sweet psalmist, of Israel, the king of Israel, is a man just like we are. And we can learn a lot from David. We, we, we can learn a lot just studying the life of David and seeing David even in his weaknesses. David was a mighty warrior. David, David, David slew 10,000 of the Philistines. It was David that God gave, gave the victory to. Listen here, David was even fa favored of God because if you read the text, if you go back a couple chapters, you'll find that, the, that, that Joab was at war with the Amorites. And the Bible said that they prevailed against the, uh, the Amorites. But it was not until David came onto the scene that they actually got the victory. God's hand was with David. David was the king. But we see in our text that, 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 that David perhaps had a convoluted thought about himself. Maybe David had started reading the press that they were saying about him. That perhaps David's head began to get a little too big for his shoulders. Because David finds himself out of position. Look, look, look at verse number one. It says, and when it came to task after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. So I sleep on that. David was out of position. And when you become susceptible to distractions, it's when you're out of position. Understand that there are some times that God will position you to where you won't even have to deal with the distraction. You see, when you position yourself in prayer, when you position yourself in praise, when you position yourself in, in making sweet songs unto the Lord, the distractions will fade away. But here we see that David is out of position. When David should have been on the battlefield with his men, he finds himself back in Jerusalem. 
in the comforts of his home, the comforts of the palace. He sends out Joab and all of the mighty men to fight the battle. Even though the, the favor of God was with David, he still sends out Joab. So he finds himself out of position. We need to be cognizant of that, brothers and sisters, of when we are out of position. When, when, when we don't position ourselves in Bible study. When, when we don't position ourselves in, in, in Sunday morning worship service. I know you can say that I, I, I can praise God at home, and you can, by all means. I don't take anything away from that. But this is where the troops are at right here. This is where we're being prepared for war. This, this is the place where we come in and we strategize and we come in and we get our marching orders. This is where we rub elbows and we connect with one another. Don't be guilty of being at home, reclining and out of position because you set yourself up for the distraction. And understand that our distractions will lead to unhealthy desires. When we're distracted, we open ourselves up to our own desires. I know, I know all of us want what we want when we want it. But understand that some of the stuff that we want is not good for us. Some, some, some of the things that we desire are there to harm us. Everything that looks good is not gold. Everything that you need, you really don't need it. Or should I say everything you want? God has promised to give you his needs to supply your needs according to his riches and his glory. So be careful where our appetites are at. That is not associated with our distractions. Look here in verse number two, he says, and it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now understand that, that, that most people would say that Bathsheba was a distraction. And perhaps she was. But understand, it's not Bathsheba's fault. You see, because you can't fault anybody for being beautiful. I mean, what you gonna do? You can dress beauty down and it's still beautiful. The problem came in is when he became fixated on her. When he began to lust after her. When he began to have this desire to have her for his own. Now understand that, that, that this is a problem that David had deep down, right? David, David at this point in time probably had four or five wives. David had a problem with women. That's one of his, that was one of his biggest problems. That he had a problem with beautiful women. Oh, you, you, you remember Nabal, don't you, and Abigail. Na 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 Nabal uh, 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 belittled David, and, and Ab he was going to go and kill Nabal. But he ran into Abigail. 
Abigail's beautiful wife. And she began to sweet talk David and let him know that, hey, you know, my husband is a fool. Don't, don't, don't pay him no attention. And here, let, let, let me give you these victuals. Let me give you this, this stuff that will supply you. And she did. And the Bible declares that God caused Nabal to fall sick and to die. And the first thing that David did was sent for Abigail. He said, bring me that woman that she might be my wife. David didn't have a problem with taking other folk wives. He had a problem when it came to women. He had a problem when it came to lust. And it created this desire in him to have and to covet another man's wife. Now understand that David is struggling in verse number two. And I know you don't see it, but he's struggling because it's the evening time. David, why are you up walking around? The Hebrew word lends to the implication that this is not just a stroll, but this is a pacing back and forth. In other words, it seemed that there's something heavy on David's heart. There's something heavy on David's mind. And I don't know, perhaps it's the fact that Joab and all of his men are out at battle and maybe God is trying to get him to see that, David, you're out of position. Has God ever woke you up in the middle of the night and you've laid there as long as you can and you realize that sleep has escaped you? There is no more sleep. And so you begin to get up and maybe you don't physically walk back and forth, but in your mind, you're pacing back and forth. You're thinking about God has got you thinking about some things that perhaps you need to be doing that you're not doing. There are times that God will get our attention in the evening tide, in the nighttime, when it's quiet, when he has your undivided attention. But understand that as maybe God is dealing with David, Satan sends the distraction. Something catches David's eye. He said, I've never seen nothing like that before. He's out on the porch, his roof, and she catches his eye. Because why? Distractions will lead to unhealthy desires. It's all right to look, but when we begin to lust after, and understand this is not just about a woman. You see, because we seem to tend to think that lust is only about sexual or women or men, so and forth. But there are some things you lust after that are not men or women. There are things that you are coveting that someone else may have. You're lusting after it. You desire to have it. David, in this case, sees a beautiful woman. She's beautiful to look upon. But then we need to understand that David's desires begin to affect his decisions. And understand that, 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 that the, the, the media knows that about us as well. Because they know that if they can roll out advertising and marketing, that they can persuade us to buy things that we don't really need. That's just the way we are. 
We see it and we desire it. I, 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 remember, I remember one time I was deciding, I'm, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to change the way I eat. And it just seemed like looking at the TV, every commercial came on was about something that I should not eat. And I found myself the next time at the supermarket going down aisles I had absolutely no business going down. Picking up, reading the label on things that I said, let me see if I can get away with this. Why? Because distractions do that to us. They're designed to get us to buy in and to forget what our agenda is. Needless to say, Sometimes we fall for it, sometimes we don't. But more often we do. We fall to the distractions. We yield to the distractions. Much in the same way David did the same thing. Which is in David's sin, verse 3, he said, David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, now this should have been a clue to David. And one said, is not this Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Now understand that David is the king. David knows the word of God. David is one that has written the word of God in the Psalms. And if anybody should have known better, it should have been King David. But once again, we see that sometimes we can become convoluted in our thinking about ourselves. We think that it does not really apply to us. You know, just, 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 just like I, when I ate that piece of pound cake, I didn't think that it applied to me. I had one piece and then another piece. But here David, here David perhaps maybe thought, this don't apply to me. I know that she's married, but she's fine. I, I, I know that she belongs to another man. But I want her for just one night. There are times that we get stooped down in what we want, what we desire, to whereas nothing else matters. Nothing else concerns us. All we can see is that this is what I want. And it all started from a distraction. It all comes from David not being where he was supposed to be at. Because when you're not where you're supposed to be at, you'll do things that you're not supposed to be doing. Did you get that? When you're in a place where you're not supposed to be, you'll do things you shouldn't be doing. And so David sends for her. Why? Because his decision led to a decadent behavior. He decides to sin for Bathsheba after inquiring about her. No, 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 listen, this is what makes this even worse because there are some scholars that believe that, 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 that David had full view of who Uriah was. And if that is the case, it makes this situation far worse. Because Uriah was one of David's trusted men. 
And the minute that he heard that this was Uriah's wife or anybody's wife, hands should have been off. But here we see he has this appetite. He has this hunger. He has this thirst for her. Verse 4 says, and David sent messengers and took her and she came unto him and he lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house. So here it is, David's moved by his desire, his passion, and he sends for her. Listen, for one purpose and one purpose only that he may lay with her. And understand, understand, because a lot of times, you know, we don't like to talk about this in the church. But there is some sinful stuff that's taking place inside the church when it comes to sexual morality. The church is the last place where we have sexual immorality. This is the last place But it seems as though sexual immorality is in the church just like it is out in the world. We just hide it and put it up underneath a cover. And we'll see that David tried to do the same thing. But understand that God will expose. He will uncover. If you will not repent, if you will not come out of that sinfulness, if you continue in it, God will uncover it. And so David brings Bathsheba into his bed. And he has sexual relations with her. But understand, there's consequences for our sinfulness. Even though God forgave David, there were still consequences. And understand that the consequences were long-reaching consequences. They were consequences that did not just affect David and Bathsheba, but they affected his entire family. But at this point in time, David is not thinking about that. David is saying, I'm going to do this and I'll deal with the consequences later. But understand this, that, that sometimes you don't really know what the consequences will be. It behooves you to think about it before you do what you do. Because there are times that God will let the consequences be so severe that it will even bring about death. A distraction leads to desire, leads to decisions, leads to decadent behavior, and ultimately will lead to death. The consequences start. Verse number five. Verse number five, it says, And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And this presents a problem for David. Because now how is David to explain this to all of Israel? Eventually she's going to begin to show And all of Israel know that her husband is out at war. 
And Bathsheba ain't going out to the battlefield. And we ain't seen Uriah come in. So folk going to start wondering, well, who that baby daddy? You know how it is. You know, you know how it is. Who that baby daddy? He's presented with a problem. A situation that is beyond him. And so he begins to devise a plan, a scheme that he might be able to cover up his sin. Now understand, under the Old Testament, the sacrifice covered the sin. Did not wash away the sin like the New Covenant does. It simply covered the sin. But there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that we are to cover up the sin. And that, that's what David endeavors to do. Be careful about your distractions. Because distractions come to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. Distractions are those temptations that you receive. Usually they begin in the mind and with the eyes, what the eyes see. Because the eyes covet what the eyes see. And understand that, that, that these distractions do not come from God. They come from nobody but the enemy. And you'll see that in the end result. But understand that James puts it this way in James uh, 1 uh, and 13. He says, let no man say when he is tempted or distracted, because the words are similar. I am tempted of God, for God cannot tempt with evil, neither tempt he any man. Listen here, this is the key. But every man is tempted when he is what? Drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Listen here, this is the progression of it. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is the natural progression from distraction all the way to death. God had blessed David. But now David is about to reap what he has sown. And much in the same way we will reap what we, are sow what we sowed in this earth. Be careful of the things that pay grab your attention. Be careful of the things that gra grab your attention so much to where it begins to formulate your desires, what you desire. Jesus came that he might be able to take the sting out of sin, death and the grave. He came that he might give his life for us as a ransom. He came that he might hang upon an old rugged cross of 2,000 years. He suffered, bled, and died on that old rugged cross to pay for us and listen and to give us the power over sin. We all have the power to say no to sin. We all have the power to say no to these distractions and these temptations. But he came that even though when we do fall, he came that he might be able to give his life for us. So he is that, that, that propitiation uh, for us. He is that payment for us, for our sin. It is God that did it. He came down, he hung on a, on a cross. Suffered, bled, and died. Yeah. He died on Calvary. Yeah. 
hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. They took him off that cross, put him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. What Jesus has come to do is he's, he's come to distract us from sin. You see, because when we look at him, when we have him in focus, we no longer desire to sin. So if you want to be distracted, be distracted by Jesus. Look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, looking unto him. We look at him as he hung out there on Calvary. But we look at him now as he steps out on resurrection ground with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. Realizing that he's sitting at the right hand side of the father, making intercession for us, praying for us. Understand that Jesus is praying for your every temptation. He's got you on this. He's empowered you by the power of his Holy Spirit to just say no. Look away and look to him because he's coming again. I continuously look for him to come breaking through the clouds, to rapture his church off this earth. I'm looking for it every day because I want to be with him. I want to be with him. Because where he is, there is joy, there is peace. And most of all, there's no more distractions. There's no more sin. There's no more temptation. For to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Next week, we're going to deal with how to deal with distractions the right way. We'll see a contrast to what we've seen today.